Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you so very much for tuning in with me here on the Infertility in Me podcast. If you're watching, hey, thank you guys for tuning in on YouTube and connecting with me there. I appreciate you guys coming back so much week after week for all of these months now, almost 10 months. Yes, hanging in there tight. You guys keep me freaking going. Love you guys forever. Today I have with me Ms. Asia B. Cash. She is a fellow podcaster, a published author, and an infertility survivor. I'll introduce Asia in a minute, but before that, just a few quick announcements. We've got some new reviews and ratings on Apple iTunes podcast, which I would like to share with you guys. So the latest one is from ALN258, and it was on August 7th, and she or he said, Monique has put together a show that brings in diverse voices and experiences. She is a skilled interviewer who treats all of her guests with kindness and compassion. Monique is real and asks the real questions of her guests, which gives us the listeners the real answers about what other families have faced as they have journeyed through infertility. As a woman of color who is navigating infertility in what feels like a very, very Caucasian infertility world or white world, and she had put in parentheses where experiences like mine make up a small minority. Monique's podcast is a safe haven for all people, no matter their background, who are just trying to make it through this madness with love and humor. Thank you, girl, so very much. And I'm so glad you found the podcast. I hope that I continue to make you proud. I hope that I continue to bring more content that all of you guys enjoy. And if you could do me the honor, friend, of rating and reviewing on Apple, because guess what? It tricks the system into believing that I'm giving you guys great content, bringing you valuable content. And so, yeah, please do that so that we can continue to grow and we can continue to connect. And if you're not already following the podcast page on Instagram, go ahead and do that. I bring daily content, fertility related, sometimes personal related. And I just love connecting with you guys on, on IG um, because it's just a more personable experience and I can get to know you better too and support you along your journey outside of the podcast. You can DM me, you can email me, or you can text me all of which is in today's show notes with the links available for you to tap and go. Also, I have been taking natalist prenatal vitamins, their DHA, and their COQ10. Their prenatal vitamin also has MTFH folate. I believe that's the acronym for it. And not not dissolves, but the body absorbs it better. And also natalist just released and announced that their plastic containers are now 100%, let me pull it up so I don't say it wrong, but is 
plastic neutral. So you can follow them on Instagram too. I'll have a link where you can get your prenatals from Natalist in today's show notes. And it is an affiliate link. So I do make a small commission if you use that link. But if you don't, that's okay too. But I've made it easy for you and have put it in today's show notes. And also, I just want to take a moment of gratitude and to give space for where we are in our journeys right now, no matter whether it's positive or negative. And if you're driving, friend, you can participate in the way that you're able to, I'm sorry. And if you're home or if you're on a walk, you can participate in this moment of gratitude in whatever way suits you. And I just want to first ask you all to take a deep, deep breath with me. And release that through your mouth, friend. Like I said, if you're driving, just do it in the way that you can and you're able to. Breathing in all that is positive, all that is pure, and all that is good in this universe, in this time, and in this moment. Breathing out all that is negative, all that does not serve us in our greater purpose, and all that brings us discomfort. Breathing in once again, breathe deeply. And releasing all that negative energy, those negative thoughts, friend, those negative feelings, those negative perspectives about ourselves and our journeys. One more time, deep breath in. Much as you can, friend, much as you can, hold it, hold it. Releasing all triggers, all negative thoughts. I just wanted to take that moment, friend, with you before we get into today's episode. And I will be introducing Ms. Asia Cash in one minute, but I do want to give you guys a brief bio of her. Asia Cash is a wife, mother, bonus mom, and after suffering from tubal infertility, the Cash family pursued IVF and birthed their first miracle child together, Malaya, in January of 2020. Service and generosity is Asia's greatest passion. Her husband and children are her greatest gifts, and they reside on the East Coast of the U.S. And like I said before, Asia does have her own podcast, and it is called The Fruitful Place, and it is a Christian infertility space and podcast geared towards fertility, infertility, and loss. So you guys, make sure to check her out. Asia is very loving. She's very nurturing. And I think that you guys will really like her and enjoy her podcast as well, especially if you are of the Christian or Catholic faith as well, or whatever faith it is, it may still resonate with you. It doesn't matter. The message is all the same, that we are stronger together. And I'll have Miss Asia Cash on in one minute. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love you. So I'm back with Miss Asia B. Cash. Thank you, Asia, for coming on the podcast, dear. I'm so excited to have you Thank on. you so much. A little further and for everybody to get to know you, what your podcast is about, your journey, and then also the organization that you have begun and, and really just being the uh, infertility warrior, survivor, mother, wife, all those titles, yes. right, girl? <laughs> yes, all of those. <laughs> the list continues. Oh my gosh, it's so endless, right? So right. how did you and hubby, I already read your intro and everything. So how did you and hubby meet? Did you guys meet in like college or in like your hometown? 
Yes. So he is a hometown boy. So mm-hmm. he knows everybody, anybody and everybody, you know, if, when I first met him, it's funny because I actually did not want anything to do with him mm. initially. And my my thing at the time was I don't want to meet anybody that has dreads. I don't want to date anybody that has children. And I don't want to date anybody that's younger than me. And he be all the odds. Um, so when I actually first, when I first met him, I actually didn't even know that he had a child. I actually thought he was older than me because he carried himself so mature. Um, but we met in gospel choir and it was probably maybe a few months in of me being in gospel choir. Um, and he was just the popular kid. So everybody knew a little bit of something about him. Mm -hmm. And I just so happened to find out that he already had a child. She was one at the time. So I've been in her life for now going on 11 years, which is crazy. Time is flying so so fast. But um, yeah, we met in college uh, with college sweethearts um, toward the end of my couple years. It was junior year. We met, uh, kicked it off. uh, And then there was a little time in between where I was like, I really don't want to have anything to do with you. But then the next semester kind of rolled around. And then I was like, you know what? I was actually done with guys at this point because there was one guy that had done me wrong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me give this guy a shot. And look, the Lord kind of made that thing happen. Like I said, he defeated all of my odds and we're still kicking it today. We've been together now 10 years and married almost four. So um, our our journey is, is pretty amazing. Like when we got married, he planned a, a surprise engagement mm-hmm. wedding. We were engaged and married all in the same day after being together oh, for about almost six story. years. Oh, so wow. it's great. It's, it's an amazing journey. So, you know, God, I always say this is just the beginning for us. That's a beautiful <laughs> story. I freaking love it. I just love it when a man takes charge a little bit. Oh, okay. And just exactly. take some of the weight off of you. That is so beautiful. And I love hearing stories. I remember when, when right around the time you guys, it seems like you guys got married, that a mm-hmm. lot of men were doing the engagement and wedding day at the same time. And, and I just, yes. every story was so unique, but it was just always so like, oh my God, is somebody cutting onions? Yes. Like, come on, this is great. Listen, and it's, it's something that I had never heard of because actually mm-hmm. my mom, when, when she said that he reached out to her to ask her, like, do you think I'm crazy for doing this? My mom was like, yeah, but we can totally pull this off. Absolutely. Right. Yay, but, um, you know, my, my friends, they always, you know, we're actually approaching our anniversary. It's next weekend. And my friends always tell me, man, I remember when we were so stressed for those five months trying to hold this secret because, you know, I'm a faith walker. Like, you know, okay. I declare a decree and I, I'm, I'm a I, things by faith. So leading up to my wedding, so many people thought that I knew mm-hmm. because of some of the things that I was making, like some of the declarations I was making, like, I will see this soon. Like I believe in the promises of God. Mm-hmm. So I, people thought that I actually knew they had to keep texting my husband. Like, are you sure, sure she doesn't know right. about her wedding? Are you sure? Like what's, what's going on here? And he was like, trust me, she doesn't know. Y'all just know. And by the end of all of it, they, they, they started referring to me as Asia faith. I want mm-hmm. Asia faith <laughs> because, you know, I was literally walking this thing like almost as if the Lord had actually told me that this was going to happen this way. 
but I had no idea. So yeah. it's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was spirit talking to your intuition and giving you the yeah. informations, but that just goes yeah. to show that when you are with someone and that you're really like truly equally yoked with, you'll find yeah. a lot of synchronicities spiritually Absolutely. like that. Because one hundred percent, husband and I go through the same thing, so I totally get it. A lot of yeah. listeners are like, all our listener friends are pretty much same kind of people. Like they may not be religious, but they believe in the synchronicities of faith and all that stuff. Absolutely, yeah, totally get it, and I love yes. it. Yes, I was having chills the whole time. <laughs> Asia just told her story about her synchronicities with her husband spiritually. Oh my god, it's so great. Oh, so, <laughs> I know that you're a bonus mom. And that because you just told us that. And then also your diagnosis had to do with your tubes, right? So so walk us walk us through this this diagnosis. How long was it before you got your diagnosis when you were trying to conceive during journey? Naturally, you know, because my husband had a child, we Mm -hmm. never thought that it was gonna be an issue. Never thought that it was gonna be an issue. Um, I think I started getting like that itch, like baby fever, because, you know, it seems like whenever you're in the season that people have, everybody around you has a thing. So at the time that we were ready to start trying, it it felt like all of my friends had children. And so I was like, you know, I'm getting that baby fever itch. So let's, Mm -hmm. let me just come off birth control. I was on birth control for actually 10 years Um, and throughout that whole time, nobody told me, you know, anything like, uh, nobody mentioned uh, you should stop, maybe take some time, take a break. Um, let's talk about your fertility because I'm now 31. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, nobody ever said anything like, do you think that you should ease up off the birth control? Um, is children something in the in the um, future? Like n- none of that, which is why I'm such an advocate for, you know, even women who are not thinking of children to go ahead and ask, start advocating early because, you know, nobody asks those questions. You have mm-hmm. to literally <laughs> go to the doctor and say that. But in, in any case, um, when I went to the doctor, um, it was, I don't, I don't remember if we waited the full year mm-hmm. that they tell us, you know, to, to, to wait, you say, go um, wait 12 months before you find out what's going on. I, I don't remember that it was like a strict year because, I knew something was not right. I knew because we were doing all the things, like I say, married people do. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something not right. And I knew that I needed to go ask. Um, yeah. At the time, we had friends who were already gearing up to start IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my mind, I was like, I'm not doing IVF, but I am going to go to the doctor to find out what I need to do because I'm ready to you know, start having children. Um, so after coming off the birth control, I actually thought it was only going to be a couple of months. I mm. really said three to four months. My friend was like, um, girl, just start doing it like a rabbit. And then, you know, around that time and and and, and, and it's going to happen. And of course, obviously, that wasn't the case. So my doctor, you know, long story short, we had um, the dye test. Um, but that was actually after. She actually made me come back at the time. Of course, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. She made me come back and she said, you know, just keep trying, Mm -hmm. just keep trying, time it. Let's get some OPKs in here. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's let's start, you know, really tracking your cycle. Let's do this time thing and come back. So I was like, okay. Um, But then after that, I was like, no, something is not right because I'm not getting pregnant. So Mm -hmm. she was like, let's do the dye test. 
at the time I was like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to even fool with doctors. I don't want to have a diet test. I don't want to do any of this because, you know, I just, none of my family has had fertility issues. Mm-hmm. Nobody in my family has had problems having children. Yeah. Um, so in any case, she said, I, after having the diet test, she was like, I can't get you pregnant. She literally looked at me after I completed this diet test, after I was in severe pain. And, and I was after, I, prior to that, I, I Googled, you know, is this going to be painful? What do I need to do? Cause she didn't tell me. I didn't, I, I couldn't even ask my doctor because she wouldn't tell me what I was walking into. So I had to Google Dr. Google. Um, and so she basically was like, um, you know, because of the amount of pain that you're in, I can't get the dye through. So I'm not going to be able to get you pregnant. So I'm going to refer you over to this fertility clinic um, because I, I can't, I, there's nothing I can do. Mm. So I was like, uh, okay. So I left there. I'm in tears. I, I mean, I don't know what's going on. So I get to the fertility clinic and he actually is able to kind of break things down for me, kind of like in kindergarten terms. Cause I'm like, I still don't know what y'all are telling me. The dye didn't go through. What does that even mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we found out the diagnosis, tuber infertility. Um, but what he wanted to do, because I was such an advocate at that point now, after having done some research in kind of in between me going from my OBGYN to the fertility clinic, yeah. um, he said, let's start by um, having the laparoscopy. Okay. Let me go in and see if there's something that I can do. Mm-hmm. Let let me just go look around. Let me go see if there's something that I can do. And, um, you know, long story short, he was able to go in. He was able to unblock my tubes. I actually have the picture wow. of my fallopian tubes, which is so crazy to me. But they he did say that they were still damaged. Okay. So once that, once we found out that, you know, we just had to kind of, we sat with that for a little while because yeah, we were lot. still kind of like, we didn't, we didn't really know. And in my mind, I'm still like, I'm not doing IVF. Don't even come with me with that. Cause we let's, yeah. let's do this thing naturally, whatever we got to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so with the diagnosis, so how was it? I want to phrase this right without sounding like, like, uh, like a mean person or something, but how was it because you have been in your, your bonus daughter's life for so long, was there any moments in time after your diagnosis where you struggled with caring for her? If that makes sense. Oh, so yeah. Um, in the beginning, it wasn't too bad because, um, you know, a lot of people told me, you know, it's it's going to take time for you to get pregnant. In my mind, I'm like, no, it's not because, you know, I'm off birth control. I'm doing all these things. It shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were like, well, you know, because it is taking you long, just just wait it out. Just wait it out. So at the beginning, it wasn't too bad because, you know, we just have such a great relationship. Yeah. Um, but as time started to go by. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I started to get those feelings like, I don't understand why this is not happening for me. You know, my husband and I, um, there was times when, you know, we would, there was misunderstanding Mm -hmm. because I would say I'm, I'm, I had a lot of feelings for a long time that I was in this by myself. I'm like, because you already have something that you share with someone, Mm -hmm. you already know this feeling of being a father, being a parent, 
So you don't understand how I'm feeling. You don't understand that this is something that I want to be able to give you because someone else has already been able to give this Mm -hmm. to you. I want to, as your wife, be able to give you this. So, I mean, I had very low moments, very, very low moments. And then of course, as all this time is going on, I've got friends who are getting pregnant, who didn't even want to get pregnant, who were slip ups. So all of this was kind of piling on that. So I don't feel like I ever treated her differently, Mm -hmm. but there were times when, you know, subconsciously I would say, you know, this is, this is, this is a gift that someone else was able to give you. If, and, but I want to be able to, why, why I'm saying I'm yeah. questioning why, why, why am I not able to give you, am I ever going to be able to give you? Cause I got to the, that point as well. Mm-hmm. Am I ever going to be able to give you this gift? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was yeah. definitely some low moments in there. Yeah. It's almost like the question of um, when will it be my turn? You yeah. Know, that a lot in the community on, especially on social media, when will it be my turn? And I've seen, Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victims. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you so very much for tuning in with me here on the Infertility in Me podcast. If you're watching, hey, Thank you guys for tuning in on YouTube and connecting with me there. I appreciate you guys coming back so much week after week for all of these months now, almost 10 months. Yes, hanging in there tight. You guys keep me freaking going. Love you guys forever. Today I have with me Ms. Asia B. Cash. She is a fellow podcaster, a published author, and an infertility survivor. I'll introduce Asia in a minute, but before that, just a few quick announcements. We've got some new reviews and ratings on Apple iTunes podcast, which I would like to share with you guys. So the latest one is from ALN258, and it was on August 7th, and she or he said, Monique has put together a show that brings in diverse voices and experiences. She is a skilled interviewer who treats all of her guests with kindness and compassion. Monique is real and asks the real questions of her guests, which gives us the listeners the real answers about what other families have faced as they have journeyed through infertility. As a woman of color who is navigating infertility in what feels like a very, very Caucasian infertility world or white world, and she had put in parentheses where experiences like mine make up a small minority. Monique's podcast is a safe haven for all people, no matter their background, who are just trying to make it through this madness with love and humor. Thank you, girl, so very much. And I'm so glad you found the podcast. I hope that I continue to make you proud. I hope that I continue to bring more content that all of you guys enjoy. And if you could do me the honor, friend, of rating and reviewing on Apple, because guess what? It tricks the system into believing that I'm giving you guys great content, bringing you valuable content. And so, yeah, please do that so that we can continue to grow and we can continue to connect. And if you're not already following the podcast page on Instagram, 
go ahead and do that. I bring daily content, fertility related, sometimes personal related. And I just love connecting with you guys on on IG um, because it's just a more personable experience and I can get to know you better too and support you along your journey outside of the podcast. You can DM me, you can email me, or you can text me, all of which is in today's show notes with the links available for you to tap and go. Also, I have been taking natalist prenatal vitamins, their DHA, and their COQ10. Their prenatal vitamin also has MTFH folate. I believe that's the acronym for it. And not not dissolves, but the body absorbs it better. And also, Natalis just released and announced that their plastic containers are now 100%, let me pull it up so I don't say it wrong, but it's 100% plastic neutral. So you can follow them on Instagram too. I'll have a link where you can get your prenatals from Natalis in today's show notes. And it is an affiliate link, so I do make a small commission if you use that link. But if you don't, that's okay too. But I've made it easy for you and have put it in today's show notes. And also, I just want to take a moment of gratitude and to give space for where we are in our journeys right now, no matter whether it's positive or negative. And if you're driving, friend, you can participate in the way that you're able to, I'm sorry. And if you're home, or if you're in a walk, you can participate in this moment of gratitude in whatever way suits you. And I just want to first ask you all to take a deep, deep breath with me. And release that through your mouth, friend. Like I said, if you're driving, just do it in the way that you can and you're able to. Breathing in all that is positive, all that is pure, and all that is good in this universe in this time and in this moment. Breathing out all that is negative, all that does not serve us in our greater purpose and all that brings us discomfort. Breathing in once again very deeply and releasing all that negative energy, those negative thoughts, friend, those negative feelings, those negative perspectives about ourselves and our journeys. One more time, deep breath in. Much as you can, friend, much as you can, hold it, hold it, releasing all triggers, all negative thoughts. And I just wanted to take that moment, friend, with you before we get into today's episode. And I will be introducing Ms. Asia Cash in one minute, but I do want to give you guys a brief bio of her. Asia Cash is a wife, mother, bonus mom. And after suffering from tubal infertility, the Cash family pursued IVF and birthed their first miracle child together, Malaya, in January of 2020. Service and generosity is Asia's greatest passion. Her husband and children are her greatest gifts, and they reside on the East Coast of the U.S. And like I said before, Asia does have her own podcast, and it is called The Fruitful Place And it is a Christian infertility space and podcast geared towards fertility, infertility, and loss. So you guys, make sure to check her out. Asia is very loving. 
She's very nurturing. And I think that you guys will really like her and enjoy her podcast as well, especially if you are of the Christian or Catholic faith as well, or whatever faith it is. It may still resonate with you. It doesn't matter. The message is all the same, that we are stronger together. And I'll have Miss Asia Cash on in one minute. Thank you guys for tuning in. Love you. So I'm back with Miss Asia B. Cash. Thank you, Asia, for coming on the podcast, dear. I'm so excited to have you Thank on. Thank you so much. A little further and for everybody to get to know you, what your podcast is about, your journey, and then also the organization that you have begun and, and really just being the uh, infertility warrior, survivor, mother, wife, all those titles, yes. right, girl? Yes, <laughs> all of those. <laughs> the list continues. Oh my gosh, it's so endless, right? So right. how did you and hubby, I already read your intro and everything. So how did you and hubby meet? Did you guys meet in like college or in like your hometown? Yes. So he is a hometown boy. So mm-hmm. he knows everybody, anybody and everybody, you know, if, when I first met him, it's funny because I actually did not want anything to do with him mm-hmm. initially. And my, my thing at the time was, I don't want to meet anybody that has dreads. I don't want to date anybody that has children and I don't want to date anybody that's younger than me and he be all the odds (laughs) um so when I actually first when I first met him I actually didn't even know that he had a child I actually thought he was older than me because he carried himself so mature um but we met in gospel choir and it was probably maybe a few months in of me being in gospel choir um, and he was just the popular kid. So everybody knew a little bit of something about him. Mm-hmm. And I just so happened to find out that he already had a child. She was one at the time. So I've been in her life for now going on 11 years, which is crazy. Wow. Time is flying so ba- so fast. But um, yeah, we met in college uh, with college sweethearts um, toward the end of my couple years. It was junior year. We met, uh, kicked it off. Uh, and then there was a little time in between where I was like, I really don't want to have anything to do with you. But then the next semester kind of rolled around. And then I was like, you know what? I was actually done with guys at this point because there was one guy that had done me wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Let me give this guy a shot. And look, the Lord kind of made that thing happen. Like I said, he defeated all of my odds and we're still kicking it today we've been together now 10 years and married almost four so um our our journey is is pretty amazing like when we got married he planned a a surprise engagement Mm -hmm. wedding we were engaged and married all in the same day after being together for about almost six years so it's great it's it's an amazing journey so you know god i always say this is just the beginning for us that's a beautiful (laughs) story i freaking love it i just love it when a man takes charge a little bit okay and just some of the weight off of you that is so beautiful and i love hearing stories i remember when when right around the time you guys it seems like you guys got married that a lot Mm -hmm. of men were doing the engagement and wedding day at the same time and I just every story was so unique but it was just always so like oh my god is somebody cutting onions like come on this is listen and it's it's something that I had never heard of because actually Mm -hmm. my mom when when she said that he reached out to her to ask her like do you think I'm crazy for doing this my mom was like 
yeah, but we can totally pull this off. Absolutely. Right. Yay, but, um, you know, my, my friends, they always, you know, we're actually approaching our anniversary. It's next weekend. And my friends always tell me, man, I remember when we were so stressed for those five months trying to hold this secret because, you know, I'm a faith walker. Like, you know, okay. I declare decree and I, I'm, I'm a things by faith. So leading up to my wedding, so many people thought that I knew because of some of the things that I was making, like some of the declarations I was making, like, I will see this soon. Like, I believe in the promises of God. Mm. So I, people thought that I actually knew they had to keep texting my husband. Like, are you sure she doesn't know about her wedding? Are you sure? Like what's, what's going on here? And he was like, trust me, she doesn't know y'all just know. And by the end of all of it, they, they, they started referring to me as Asia face. I want Asian mm-hmm. faith <laughs> because, you know, I was literally walking this thing like almost as if the Lord had actually told me that this was going to happen this way, but mm-hmm. I had no idea. So yeah. it's an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, that was, <laughs> that was spirit talking to your intuition and giving you the yeah. informations, but that just goes yeah. to show that when you are with someone and that you're really like truly equally yoked with, you'll find yeah. a lot of synchronicities spiritually Absolutely. like that. Because we 100% and I go through the same thing. So I totally get it. A lot of listeners are like, all our listener friends are pretty much the same kind of people. Like they may not be religious, but they believe in the synchronicities of faith and all that stuff. Absolutely. Totally get it. And I love it. I was having chills the whole time. (laughs) Asia just told her story about her synchronicities with her husband spiritually. Oh my God, it's so great. So (laughs) I know that you're a bonus mom. And that because you just told us that. And then also your diagnosis had to do with your tubes, right? So so walk us walk us through this this diagnosis. How long was it before you got your diagnosis when you were trying to conceive during journey? Naturally, you know, because my husband had a child, we Mm -hmm. never thought that it was gonna be an issue. Never thought that it was gonna be an issue. Um, I think I started getting like that itch, like baby fever, because, you know, it seems like whenever you're in the season that people have, everybody around you has a thing. So at the time that we were ready to start trying, it it felt like all of my friends had children. And so I was like, you know, I'm getting that baby fever itch. So let's, Mm -hmm. let me just come off birth control. I was on birth control for actually 10 years. Um, And throughout that whole time, nobody told me, you know, anything like, uh, nobody mentioned uh, you should stop, maybe take some time, take a break. Um, let's talk about your fertility because I'm now 31. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, nobody ever said anything like, do you think that you should ease up off the birth control? Um, is children something in the in the um, future? Like n- none of that, which is why I'm such an advocate for, you know, even women who are not thinking of children to go ahead and ask, start advocating early because, you know, nobody asks those questions. You have mm-hmm. to literally <laughs> go to the doctor and say that. But in, in any case, um, when I went to the doctor, um, it was, I don't, I don't remember if we waited the full year mm-hmm. that they tell us, you know, to, to, to wait, you say, go um, wait 12 months before you find out what's going on. I don't remember that it was like a strict year because I knew something was not right. I knew because we were doing all the things, like I say, married people do. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something not right. And I knew that I needed to go ask. Um, yeah. At the time, we had friends who were already gearing up to start IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
in my mind, I was like, I'm not doing IVF, but I am going to go to the doctor to find out what I need to do because I'm ready to, you know, start having children. Um, so after coming off the birth control, I actually thought it was only going to be a couple of months. I really mm. said three to four months. My friend was like, um, girl, just start doing it like a rabbit. And then, you know, around that time and, 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 and it's going to happen. And of course, obviously that wasn't the case. So my doctor, you know, long story short, we had um, the dye test, um, but that was actually after she actually made me come back at the time. Of course, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Mm -hmm. She made me come back and she said, you know, just keep trying, mm -hmm. just keep trying, time it. Let's get some OPKs in here. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's start, you know, really tracking your cycle. Let's do this time thing and come back. So I was like, OK. Um, but then after that, I was like, no, something is not right because I'm not getting pregnant. So mm -hmm. she was like, let's do the dye test. At the time, I was like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to even fool with doctors. I don't want to have a dye test. I don't want to do any of this because, you know, I just, none of my family has had fertility issues. Mm -hmm. Nobody in my family has had problems having children. Yeah. Um, so in any case, she said, I, after having the dye test, she was like, I can't get you pregnant. She literally looked at me after I completed this dye test, after I was in severe pain, and, and I was after I, prior to that, I, I Googled, you know, is this going to be painful? What do I need to do? Because she didn't tell me I didn't I, I couldn't even ask my doctor because she wouldn't tell me what I was walking into. So I had to Google Dr. Google. Um, and so she basically was like, um, you know, because of the amount of pain that you're in, I can't get the dye through. So I'm not going to be able to get you pregnant. So I'm going to refer you over to this fertility clinic um, because I, I can't, I, there's nothing I can do. Mm. So I was like, uh, okay. So I left there. I'm in tears. I, I mean, I don't know what's going on. So I get to the fertility clinic and he actually is able to kind of break things down for me, kind of like in kindergarten terms. Cause I'm like, I still don't know what y'all are telling me that I didn't go through. What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we found out the diagnosis, tuber infertility. Um, but what he wanted to do, because I was such an advocate at that point now, after having done some research in kind of in between me going from my OBGYN to the fertility clinic, yeah. um, he said, let's start by um, having the laparoscopy. Okay. Let me go in and see if there's something that I can do. Mm. Let, let me just go look around. Let me go see if there's something that I can do. and. Um, you know, long story short, he was able to go in. He was able to unblock my tubes. I actually have the picture wow. of my fallopian tubes, which is so crazy to me. But they, he did say that they were still damaged. Okay. So once they, once we found out that, you know, we just had to kind of, we sat with that for a little while because yeah, <laughs> we were still kind of like, we didn't, we didn't really know. And in my mind, I'm still like, I'm not doing IVF. Don't even come with me with that because we let's yeah. let's do this thing naturally, whatever we gotta do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so with the diagnosis, so how was it? I want to phrase this right without sounding like like uh like a mean person or something, but how yeah. was it because you have been in your your bonus daughter's life for so long? Was there any moments in time after your diagnosis where you struggled? with caring for her 
if that makes sense. Oh, so yeah. Um, in the beginning, it wasn't too bad because, um, you know, a lot of people told me, you know, it's, it's going to take time for you to get pregnant. In my mind, I'm like, no, it's not because, you know, I'm off birth control. I'm doing all these things. It shouldn't be. But a lot of people were like, well, you know, because it is taking you long, just just wait it out. Just wait it out. So at the beginning, it wasn't too bad because, you know, we just have such a great relationship. Yeah. Um, but as time started to go by. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I started to get those feelings like. I don't understand why this is not happening for me. You know, my husband and I, um, there was times when, you know, we would there was misunderstanding mm-hmm. because I would say I'm, I'm, I had a lot of feelings for a long time that I was in this by myself. I'm like, because you already have something that you share with someone. Mm-hmm. You already know this feeling of being a father, being a parent. So you don't understand how I'm feeling. You don't mm-hmm. understand that this is something that I want to be able to give you because someone else has already been able to give this mm-hmm. to you. I want to, as your wife, be able to give you this. So, I mean, I had, very low moments, very, very low moments. And then of course, as all this time is going on, I've got friends who are getting pregnant, who didn't even want to get pregnant, who were slip ups. So all of this was kind of piling on that. So I don't feel like I ever treated her differently, Mm -hmm. but there were times when, you know, subconsciously I would say, you know, this is, this is, this is a gift that someone else was able to give you. But I want to be able to, why, why I'm I'm questioning, why, why, why am I not able to give you, am I ever going to be able to give you? Because I got to that point as well. Mm -hmm. Am I ever going to be able to give you this gift? Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was definitely some low moments in there. Yeah. It's almost like the question of um, when will it be my turn? You know, a lot in the community on, especially on social media, when will it be my turn? And I've seen other Bowman's moms say similar things, like you said, like, I want to be able to give him this gift that this other person or this other woman was able to do too. And um, yes, of course, no feelings of resentment for the child, but it's, um, but it's just like you said, you know, you just want to be able to do that too. Like, yes, I just want to be able to give you a child too. Infertility is just one of those things, man. Like, and I think that's why the conversation always can continue with it, because even though we all experience the same emotions, our stories are so different in so many ways. And there's so many, you know, interesting and unique journeys. Everybody's story is just so different. And I find it fascinating to talk to women like you who are bonus moms mm-hmm. and have gone through infertility and had that experience with the man who didn't have that experience before you, you know, and yeah. And so I can only imagine how hubby felt too. Like, this is crazy. Like, come on. And then so and I think even, I was going to say, and I think even now, you know, with um, me being a bonus mom and now a biological mom, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like at the beginning, there was a, there was a, a lot of struggle because I'm fighting now to be this biological mom to my own child. Mm-hmm. And I've now, I now have to find this balance. I now have to find this balance because, you know, you never as a bonus mom, being that I was a bonus mom first, you never want your bonus child to feel like, okay, well, you know, you're not my now biological child is better or she takes, you know, but, but there was a moment where I had to stop and say, okay, the love for my biological child is different 
And that is okay. It is okay for the love to be different. It doesn't mean that it's better. It doesn't mean that it's number one and you're number two. It just means that it's different. This this child was birthed for me out of my journey and it took me a long time. So I've got to fight to be I've got to fight for this, this, this time to be able to, to find the balance, to be able to fight. Um, you know, and I I actually had someone speak that into my life and just said, it's okay. It's okay that, that you experience a different type of love, but don't fight for that. Fight for that because it's, it's okay. I mean, that, I guess that's the best way to put it because, you know, and I feel still, even now my child is seven months and I just still feel like there's still like this kind of protective bubble because I'm still just working through like the first time mom thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling. And I'm sure bonus moms that listen can probably relate, but you know, you have to, there's, there's a point in there in the beginning where you just kind of have to separate. And you have to fight for it. So, yeah, that's some really good points you made, especially about learning how to learning how to love your biological child. Not like really like learning, but giving space for the fact that it is different mm-hmm. from your the love that you have for your bonus children. Both mm-hmm. equally unconditional love, no Absolutely. doubt about it. But it is different. Mm-hmm. It's just it different. Is. And I'm not a bonus mom, but I can understand it is going to be different. You know, I watched my mom go through it. I watched my sister go through it and I watched a close friend of mine go through it, you know, so it is very different. It is very different. Um, But no love, no love um, is not unconditional for the children regardless, you know, so. Absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, you made some really good points. I'm not going to add anything else to that because Asia did it already, y'all. She she gave us some real talk, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, that's, uh, wow, I just can't even imagine. So what I was going to ask was, I just got lost in that moment and I forgot what I was going to ask you. That's okay. (laughs) Was there any moment during the journey and of course, being a bonus mom and all that, did you ever feel, or you did say that you felt like, you know, will this ever, you know, come to pass for me? And did you submit? Because sometimes I've talked about submitting to the journey, um, no matter how it happens and letting go of expectations, which is yeah. very difficult because we have these pictures in our minds of how it's supposed to be like you've stated a couple times already. So was there ever a part in the journey before you got pregnant and that helped you kind of like ease your anxieties going into IVF where you were like, you know what, whatever happens, happens, God. And if I'm only meant to be a bonus mom, then so be it. I did eventually get to that point, but it took a while. Mm -hmm. It took a while because I think because I'm such a determined human being, yeah. you know, in my mind, I knew that this is something that God promised me. So I knew that it was going to manifest no matter how it was going to manifest, whether it was through adoption, whether it was through IVF, whether it was through whatever way I knew that it would manifest. Um, so at what, at one point we did, so we never, um, included her in, what was going on we we um kind of i guess spun it to where okay um 
maybe take some time to pray for your future brother or sister. So we kind okay. of, you know, incorporated the prayer life into, into that um, aspect, I guess. Um, but we never included her in it. So we, you know, she would ask, mm-hmm. she would say, you know, Hey, when is, when is baby coming? Or when am I going to have a baby sister? What's going to happen? So that was an, another part where I kind of struggled because mm-hmm. at the beginning I didn't have any answers. Yeah. I didn't have any answers to give her. And so that was frustrating because I'm like, I got this little child who it means no harm whatsoever, but it stings when she's asking me this question because it could have been when I was coming home from the doctor and I didn't get the best news, or it could have been um, when I had just taken a pregnancy test and I'm in the bathroom crying my eyes out and I got to wipe my face because I got to go, you know, go downstairs and be with, be with her and help her with schoolwork or do something. So, you know, it's like, there was a lot of times where I had to cover up how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that I ever got to the point where any like anger manifested in a, in a, you know, in any type of way, because, you know, I just submitted it to prayer, submitted it to God. But, um, you know, I, we, like I said, we, we trusted that, it was going to manifest and we, we, we included her on that side of things, not necessarily in the fertility medication process. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Were there moments in your journey where you were uh, questioning God? Oh yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yes. A lot. And kind of um, like angry a little, well, you said you were really, really angry like that a lot. So, but I'm pretty I sure think- you were just, Maybe were you hurt? Did you feel hurt by God? I journaled a lot. I have actually probably several journals. I mean, I got crinkled pages from tears falling because I would literally one one day I remember I pulled my notebook. Actually, not one day, several days. I would Mm -hmm. sit and open up my notebook and I would just say, why? Why me, Lord? Or what did I do in my previous life? Um, what did I, what did I do in my previous life that I just, that I did something to deserve not being able to birth a child of, of my own? Like, what did I do? And I just kept going back and kind of retracing things in my past because I really thought like, okay, well, is it something that I've done that is causing me not to be able to conceive? What, what is it? You know, but I, I questioned God a lot. Um, and there were moments where like you could see like maybe on social media where I would post something, you know, in faith, mm-hmm. but there would be um, other times where behind the scenes I was broken. Mm-hmm. I was extremely broken, but I knew at what, what, when I got to a certain point in my journey that me going through me going through what I was going through was also going to help someone else. And so even if I hadn't arrived at whatever destination, even if I hadn't, you know, seen the manifestation of having a child in my arms, I knew that it was, you know, good for me to speak things, even if they weren't speak things in the atmosphere, speak things by faith, because, you know, I knew that God promised that I was going to see the manifestation of my child. And so people, you know, tell me all the time, like, you know, you, you inspired me, you encouraged me. I'm like, well, you just telling me that encourages me because it just encourages me to continue to just keep believing, you know, and lo and behold, you know, 
it happens. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. So, what, so is your book, because you are a published author, is your yes. book a compilation of your journals? Yes. So my book has lots of snippets from um, my journey because my book actually was the be- kind of the beginning of my journey. I actually wrote it. And in the back of my mind, I actually wrote it like, okay, maybe this is what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have my baby. Mm-hmm. But it still was like a couple years later that I, you know, that things even started moving. Um, but I just threw, threw my journal entries together. And I was like, if this just helps one person, it encourages me even still now to this day. But yeah. if it just helps one person, they can just maybe read some of the, the scriptures that I wrote or read some of the things that I was writing in my journal at the time while going through my journey. because. It just, it helped me. Um, And then even sometimes when I'm just listening to other women's podcasts and listening to their journeys, listening to things that they've written down, I was like, I'm just little old me. But, you know, if maybe some of the things that I'm writing down or writing out will help somebody, then this is what I'm going to do. So I just self-published it and Mm -hmm. threw it together and (laughs) that that, that's what came of that so yeah so I know that you're probably really active in your home church and your community so have you found um a way to connect with women in a church who may be in similar situations that you were in at one time at one time has that transpired at all yet for you especially Um, with the book and all So I would say I'm actually connecting more with women outside of the church, Mm -hmm. um, still in the Christian faith, still in that, um, because, because of who my husband is and because of, um, all the people we know in our, in our community, Mm -hmm. um, we're connected to several different ministries. We're connected to so many, so many different people. And so, um, my, my pastor, of course, I actually did a conference, Mm -hmm. um, last year and so we did sit down with my pastor and you know you can kind of talk through through it with them so they could kind of hear our heart hear our vision but it what I what my heart and my passion is is beyond the church yeah um I want to you know reach um people of all ages races ethnicities uh religions um you know all of that because you know I just believe this community is just so big Mm -hmm. um but I do believe that part of my mission is to make people aware that infertility is not something that should be brushed under the rug. It's mm-hmm. not something that should be a taboo subject. It is something that as Christians, we, if we do have to explore alternative methods, it shouldn't be shunned. Yeah. We shouldn't just have to say, okay, well, you know, we believe, we, um, we believe God that this, that this is going to happen and then that's it. And there's no action behind our faith. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a huge advocate of alternative methods because it's the way that my child was brought into this earth. Yes, I had to do IVF, but that doesn't mean that I'm discounting what God can do because it still took him, you know, the the intricacies of the science of all the little, you know, all of the little details down to making the seed implanting and then birthing a child that is, you know, God is woven woven in all of that. So I just, you know, truly believe that, you know, as Christians, we we really, really have to start talking more about these issues, this postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, all of these things that people, all of these things that we don't talk about as black 
Christians. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, like I said, I just feel like it's part of my mission, mission. and the, mm-hmm. something that I'm going to continue striving for because it's crazy that all of the women that I've met in this community, but there are still so many more women who are so silent. And I mean, these are women who have been silent for years, years years and will not talk about it. But don't you think that's much like what we go through outside of fertility in the black and brown communities? 100%. We, you know, we've been oppressed for many, many years here. We've always been oppressed here. Yes. Even though this is our second home outside of the motherland, but this is home. This is all yeah. that we know. And so I feel like because I've, I've, I've connected recently with more black women. But like you said, they have personal pages. They don't express their fertility issues, but they'll follow you, though. No. They'll follow you. Yes. You know, yes. they'll watch you and they'll listen and they'll and they'll connect with you for inspiration and stuff like that. But they're not speaking about it on their own personal pages, which is fine. because no. you know, That's the beauty of social media. We can share. We can don't share. We can do whatever, you know. But yeah, I am happy that they are at least connecting with people in the community to be able mm-hmm. to come on your page or my page and say, oh my God, girl, this was me yesterday. Like yes. speaking right to my situation. So I think that's still a beautiful thing. And I, and yeah. I just want to encourage you guys, if you're listening to connect with people like myself in Asia, even if it's not something that you're sharing in your personal community, because being able to go yeah. on someone else's page and speak yeah. about it, because you got to remember that now on Instagram, we no longer have the option of seeing what our followers and our people that we follow are doing. So we can't see no more. Yep. That option is gone to be able to see where they comment and whose page for the page they like. I think that's great that they took that yep. off of there because that yeah. releases a lot of pressure, especially in the fertility mm-hmm. space. And so yeah. I totally 100% agree about religious organizations holding space for the complexities of life in general. And Absolutely. not just, you know, sow a seed of faith. You know, uh, you know, just <laughs> all the preachings, girl, that don't that don't address the individual issue because everything is talked about in such a generalized way, and there's not enough meetings outside of Sunday happening. There is not enough niche down subject matters, like when they have women's groups. There's not enough niche down subject matters. I feel like we're always talking about. Um, believing God for this, that, or the other. And like you say, without the works, right? And then yeah. there's always conversation about, you know, being a good Christian woman, brother, sister, friend, whatever, and living our yeah. life holy according to the word and according to God's will, right? And then yes. there's always a lot of conversation about, you know, celibacy and all those things like that. But what about those people, especially since a lot of Black churches are in inner city communities, what about PTSD and the negative yes. experiences that our people see on the way home from church? You know, I, yeah. I remember leaving the church that I was um, a minister at, and it's in the middle of the city, in Baltimore City, and I watched a girl get beat up by her boyfriend. Like, come on. Mm. Yeah. I don't yeah. And I, I totally feel you on that. I, and I think yeah. that's why there's a lot more evangelical ministers branching outside of their home church with yeah. the message that they they need to deliver to the world that's been you know, that's being birthed in their womb, like yourself and your message to the fertility space, the law space and in all those things and women's issues. And, and women, yeah, and I, you know, and I was going to say just in terms of, you know, how traditionally I think, you know, because I'm a, pre- a preacher's kid. So I was born mm-hmm. and raised in the church. So I think traditionally, you know, we're programmed to believe, you know, um, you know, you trust God, you believe, 
and then you know you just kind of let it just kind of sit out there Mm -hmm. um but one thing that I do believe is that especially now like as millennials I believe that it's kind of our duty to share Jesus or share the gospel or whatever in other ways in the marketplace because I can absolutely like because I've experienced you know I've experienced how you know you know what's the best way to say this? Cause I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, be so forward on your, on your podcast with, inter- no, but you can, but, it's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Um, what's the best way to say this? I, <sighs> whatever way you're thinking about it, that's just the way, you know, you need to say it. Somebody else so, understand. Trust me. I, okay. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, like I said, traditionally, I just feel like, you know, that's just how we were born and raised. And I think as millennials, it's our duty to share the gospel in different ways. So because I've, okay, and I'm saying this again. So because I've experienced how God moved in my situation, I believe that somebody who may not even know Mm -hmm. who God is, Christ is, can see, you know, the example through me. So because I'm, you know, living this out, it may be somebody that has never cracked open a Bible who's never walked into a church, who's never, you know, prayed or whatever, but they've seen what he did for me. And maybe they want to experience, you know, maybe they want to experience that for themselves. So I just truly believe that, you know, it's, things are evolving. And now I just, like I said, through this, through this journey, I I truly believe it, it actually, now I'm 31 and mm-hmm. I truly believe that in the last maybe year, two years, this is when I'm really, really coming in contact with my purpose. And it it, it took mm-hmm. me a long time because you hear mm-hmm. people throw out the word purpose oh, and like, okay. what is it that, what is it that you were called on this earth oh, to do? But like, yeah. I really, cho- yeah. I, and I, now I understand like the severity of it. And now I understand the reason why I was chosen to go through this. I, now all the, the questions of why did I get chosen to go through this? They all make sense. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's starting, the, the puzzle pieces are starting to come together because now I'm encountering women. I'm encountering women now who, of course, you know, in the Christian space where you're talking about the yeah. celibacy, they're not even thinking about children. They're not even thinking about asking about their fertility, but they're fi- now one girl I encountered, she did finally go to the doctor, not even in a relationship found out she does have fertility issues think of if she would have waited for years down the road which she would have gotten married she would have you know held herself for marriage she wouldn't have known anything and what if it would have been too late for her fertility what if it what if she wouldn't have been able to have children because of of the situation you know So, so I'm just like you know like I said I'm a strong advocate for asking as soon as you can yeah asking as soon as you can but like I said especially in the church we don't talk about this stuff yeah it's and it and it's heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking it really is and I think in our my area is the reason why I because I was like while I was going through my journey I didn't know of any support groups Mm -hmm. I didn't know of anybody around me I just so happened to take it upon myself to say, oh, on Instagram, they've made this available for me to follow a hashtag. 
So this is how I was able to connect with people. This is how I, you know, grew to be able to connect in the TTC community because in my area, there's maybe just a couple of people that I know that, you know, we're going through this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> get connected with them hashtags, okay? Get connected like, get with the hashtags. Get into it. Men too, because a lot more men are coming out for instance, shout out to Fertility um, in Color. Her her husband has a, a support group that I think that has already launched for men of color. Okay. And it's just been really awesome to see him support his wife and her advocacy in fertility space. And I just think it's wonderful that men are listening to fertility podcasts with their wives, you know? Yes. And, um I think we need more of that because like I always said, and I made post about it, that men need healing too, even if they're 100%. not the one with the diagnosis. Like it took my, I said, I say it all the time. I took my husband four years to like really break down and be, and let go of ego and be like, okay, let's go see a doctor. And we had already yeah. seen the doctor and I had already been diagnosed and I had tried IUI, but then we never went back. He wasn't comfortable with using a doctor. And even though he didn't have that diagnosis, it was still like, I can't get my wife pregnant. Like, yeah, she's not getting pregnant. We got yeah. our we got our son that's almost four years old, four years four years old, still ain't pregnant. And I don't yeah. even have hypothyroidism anymore. I just got tested yeah. a month ago. You know what I mean? So like, it's just it's and men need to know how to support <sighs> their wives. Yeah. Men need to know how to support their wives, especially like in, even in my situation. You know, with my husband who already had a child. You know, his initial reaction was like, "I'm gonna go to the doctor." Right. I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but thinking thinking back how now he he realized like, okay, that was kind of insensitive because it was because it's since it was my issue, you know, men just need to know how to be able to support their wives going through it. Um, and then of course men have infertility too. So it's like, you know, just this broad broad thing topic, that, you know, just yeah. And I, I know, a, I know so many African-American men who are just so ashamed. And I just think that we need to do a better job of not shaming on Another, both sides. Yeah. We need to just do a better job of not shaming each other in the African-American community. Brother, it is okay to come out and say, it is okay, sister. It is okay. And it's, we, we I, I still don't think that we do a good enough job of mm-hmm. that. I mean... Because I think just subconsciously, it's just so easy for us to say, we all gonna have kids. Mm-hmm. We all gonna have, you know, you know, and it's just such a habit of us saying these insensitive things that we don't realize that the next person sitting next in a room, one in eight, one in four, who have may, maybe had a miscarriage, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's easy for us to put this mask on, like we're okay, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's crazy that, you know, we're having this conversation cause, um, and, uh, an acquaintance of my husband's, mm-hmm. you know, basically was just saying, you know, he came across my website and he was like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. um, my wife, you know, was dealing with these issues, but she went through it by herself, man. She had to go through therapy because mm-hmm. of this, but it was years ago and they're actually, an, they're older, mm-hmm. but you know, he was like, she had nobody to talk to at the time nobody to talk to me and then you know it, it almost broke us you know so it's just yeah, like that's real talk yeah yeah it, I mean it almost broke us so yeah we just got to do a yeah. better job <laughs> and you know and 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 
I don't think I would be able to say, and I'm pretty sure you probably wouldn't either, us telling people to do a better job and in, in, in rallying with other leaders in a fertility space or whatever kind of space they're in where we think the niche of fertility is important for them to talk about and speak about. Yeah. I'm a true and firm believer in walk with you talk, you know, because I don't, I'm a leader. And so I'm always looking for balance. I'm always, always looking for justice and fairness. So I'm not going to yeah, tell yeah, you yeah. to do something that I'm not doing myself. You know Absolutely. I mean? I'm not going to tell you to drink this tea or eat this vitamin or take this vitamin. If I haven't tried it myself and tested and proven, yeah. you know, that it's at least, yeah. you know, worth your time. And so when I tell yeah. you to get plugged in, when I tell you to stay connected and to connect with people in this space, it is so liberating and it is so yes. freeing. Yes. So much freedom. Oh, I could cry right now. It is so <laughs> yes. much liberty in finding yeah. the tribe for your situation. And yes. Going through. And yes, that's. Yeah. Got to get connected. I mean, I don't know if I would have been able to get through, you know, the, the, the back end of my journey if I didn't have support from women. Like, I don't I just genuinely don't think. And I mean, I had my husband. Yes. But I just genuinely do not think that I would have been able to get through this, you know, this part. And 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 the thing is, is it doesn't end. So just be like, my child didn't cure my infertility Still because when heal. I am ready to have, I, I got to heal. Like when I'm ready to have another child, I got to go through this again. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like it okay. did not cure that. But it's it it's so like you said, it's so liberating. It's so freeing. And I just believe like it was so freeing for us to be so transparent because you know it's not obviously something that you want to just be out about at the at the beginning but from from jump I was like oh I got to talk about this I got it because I have to find some people who I can lean on I've got to you know I've listen I I have to because um if I wasn't able to kind of text that like I said I had friends who literally right before us was doing IVF. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't able to kind of talk to her, ask her question, I'm like, cause my doctor's not doing this. I had the most amazing doctor, but I can't just pick him, pick up the phone and text him at 1am and talk about how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. So you need your tribe. You need Definitely. a tribe. Definitely. And for men and women individually, apart from their partners, and for spaces like LGBTQ community as well, because there is space for them on Instagram as well. I have people yeah. who follow me and listen who are in the LGBTQ community and mm-hmm. either have gone through fertility treatments or in the midst of it or going back for number two, you know, whatever right. the case. And so there is space for everybody to find right. a community and then come together collectively with the rest of the community. You know, yes. I mean, I've had a woman come on and talk about being a single mom of choice you know, and going through fertility. Wow. And so yes, it's you got that's why you gotta get plugged in because people are there. And I feel like as I get older, my desire to be connect with women about topics mm-hmm. that I'm passionate about and 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 advocacy that I'm passionate about is so yes. important. And women need other women. Yes. You can go a very long time without hanging out with the bros and all that stuff like yep. that. They just have a different mindset in what they're doing. And they will connect yes. when they need to. But women need a lot of connection with other women. And even my husband was Absolutely. talking, you know, um, we were talking about two weeks ago about putting events together when COVID, you know, is in a better, we're in a better situation because of COVID. Because he was like, you know, women yes. do a lot together and they come up with a lot of great ideas together. 
And um, I was like, you're so right about it. And I said, you know, it's just, it's so funny. I started the podcast and then we in COVID, you know what I mean? Like all these things that I wanted to do, I can't do. We got to wait, you know? Yeah. But it's, so that's why connecting online is so important. And I feel like, and it seems like, I don't know if you've experienced this with your organization and with the podcast. It's like, there's moments when you're going through things, self-growth, and you got your face to the floor, you know, talking to God and stuff like that, spiritually connecting with yourself. And you feel like you don't have anything to give to the community, right? But then something yeah, happens, oh my gosh. somebody contacts yes. you, somebody sends a word of encouragement or sends you like, sis, please keep, yes. please, I could cry. Please yes. keep doing what you're doing because, and it doesn't matter whatever color, the color they are. I get it. You know, we get it from a lot of different women of different Ooh, backgrounds. You know, Hispanic and Latino women are like, sis, please keep doing what you're doing because there's nobody in my community talking about it like this. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just so, COVID is like a blessing and a curse because it slowed us down, but at the same time, we're like struggling, but at the same time, we're connecting. And at the same time, we get all these creative ideas coming through us, you know, and it's just a sign of the promises. That, you know, the rainbow uh, was on the horizon. You know, we just got to hold on just it's, a little bit longer, guys. You yes. know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's not something that I will ever, ever, ever get tired of talking about. It's not because, like Me I said, girl. it's still it's it, it's it's just the miracles are still in progress. They're, the miracles are still. And I just I oh, God, I find so much joy connecting with women and talking and I, I like I said I just get chills every time oh, like when I'm yeah. just I mean we always have our fo- phones in our hands so I'm just like scrolling and I'm just like every time I see someone I'm just praying every time I see someone I'm just praying and then you know you can rejoice over when women are mm-hmm. successful and then you you cry with them when it's not mm-hmm. you know it's just you just you just feel it like and I think what what I think I've seen a post where it says it's not, it's not a community that I've asked to be a part of, but it's a community that I love being a part of mm-hmm. because and I can just never see yourself leaving. No, no. you know what I mean? And, like, I hate, never. and I hate, I hate the, the, the nastiness of it where yeah. people are like, I, I had to, I had to like kind of remove myself from some, mm-hmm. some of it because some of it gets a little too far to the left like, where you're just yeah. like, okay, y'all, mm-hmm. We all are in this together. Come on now. We're all in this together. Let's be unified. Let's help uplift one another, help encourage one another. This is not about a clique. This is not about anything. We are, we are sister supporting sisters. So, you know, I just, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say all the time. And I tell everybody, like, if it wasn't for y'all, I probably would have quit by now because, you know, you got your regular life outside of fertility. And you have your husband, you have your wife, you might have your children, you both, whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get weak sometimes. And um, as myself and Asia are leaders or consider ourselves leaders in this space, and I prefer leader to influencer, you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like, <laughs> I just feel like, and I like you said, with some of the competitiveness that comes along in a p- comparison, and as a leader, I feel like sometimes you just have to remind yourself, like you said, you take yourself away from those spaces that are, you know, getting that that negative energy going on and just reminding yes. yourself that, look, these people are hurting. These are people Absolutely. that are hurting. And yes. it's, it's just coming out in the incorrect way or, you know, and not in a loving way. And so 
that's why I know Asia, you, you'd have your tools that you use spiritually that help you stay grounded. And I know I definitely do too, to continue the work as being an advocate for those, for the voiceless, you know? Yeah. So share with us some of the tools that you, that you use that they could use that other listeners can um, use right now today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, my website, the um, www.thefruitfulplace.com, you can access there. Um, I actually have a contact page, but I always tell people that my contact um, box is for if you just need to vent, if you need to um, just send me your information. I'm a prayer, so I do like to pray over people. Um, So if you have prayer requests, you can submit them there. Uh, You can find me on my podcast, which is The Fruitful Place. Um, and we've got some, actually some pretty amazing topics coming up. Um, it, it's, it's really exciting and I'm, I'm, I love podcasts. So I'm so grateful to be doing this today, um, uh, with my podcast sister. Yes. Um, and I have, uh, a, a Instagram for both myself and the fruitful place. So the fruitful place is just at the fruitful place. And then my personal page is at underscore Asia B cash. And I utilize both spaces to talk about infertility, talk about things that I've got going on um, just in life in general. I share pictures of my, my little daughter. You know, I never get tired of posting her because, you know, it's just always a constant reminder to me um, of how much of a miracle that she is. Um, you know, just her growth and development. I just I'm just so grateful for her. I mean, I, I always believe that she is the thing that like kind of helped spark my purpose, even just as yeah. a seed, even before she was here, she's just she gave water that to it. She mm-hmm. gave, she just, mm-hmm. ah, she just brings me so much joy. So, yeah. um, so yeah, you can connect with me in all those spaces and, you know, I'm here for you. I'm available for you at any time of the day or night. You can call me anything. I'm, I'm always available. <laughs> I don't want to hold you up too much longer, but just to get five, five more minutes of your time. I want to do a new, I want to do a new segment at the end of each episode and asking um, our guests two sure. questions. And the first one is, what would you say to infertility right now if you were standing face to face? I would say that I am strong. I'm stronger than I think that I am. And infertility, you will not defeat me. Um, infertility, you can go on and have several seats. <laughs> the whole bench, okay. All the seats. Um, but infertility, you challenged me. You made me a better person. You helped me to collide with my purpose. Um, and you were necessary in my life. Mm. It's <laughs> the first time anybody has given me positive, well, second time anybody's ever given me a positive statement after asking that question. And I love that. And so yeah. the second question for the last part of, the, of today's episodes is, what do you wish that every fertility friend knew, whether male or female, what do you wish that they knew right now? Every fertility friend. So people, so anybody, who, you know, in the infertility, fertility issue space or loss, what do you wish that they knew <clears throat> right now? It could be a word of encouragement um, or anything. Yeah. So I believe that um, God handpicks special people to go through special battles. Um, if he didn't, if he didn't choose you to go, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say it that way. I'll say 
your, your journey is tailor made for you. And God gives his strongest battles to his strongest warriors. So he knew that you could handle it and you will see manifestation of the promise in whatever way. And so if motherhood comes in the form of, um, or comes through an IVF, it comes through IUI, if it comes through adoption, surrogacy, if it comes through you being a god mom, you being an auntie, you being just a mother, mother, motherly figure in someone's life, just know that you are graced for it. And um, like I said, God doesn't give his, God gives his strongest battles to his strongest warriors. So um, stay strong, sister. Um, stay in faith. Uh, surround yourself with people who are like-minded, um, remove negativity from your atmosphere um, and keep declaring things by faith because you will see it. Y'all heard it here first on Infertility <laughs> and Me podcast. I appreciate you so, so much. And I will have Asia's social media handles and her website and her podcast in the show notes so you can listen, follow, connect, and get plugged in okay so you don't feel alone thank you guys for tuning in to another episode peace and blessings